1: Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we are going to talk about Trey Lance and the Niners running back situation, and what's up with George Kittle for week two, and what we saw from the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Apologize if my audio is a little rough, dealing with a little bit of a throat thing, so I'm taking taking cough drops and drinking water, and <laughs> doing my best to sound to sound normal, so I apologize for the audio. Uh, hopefully next time, it's uh, it's a little bit better. All right, let's dive in. Dude, I'm just dominating the water bottle lately. <laughs> you would be so proud of me. I, I am really
2: proud of you. I'm glad you apologized for being sick. That's something you definitely need to apologize for. There's there's no yeah. tolerance for for anything else. So
1: it's well, important that you take accountability and apologize for being sick. And it's just like, it's like one of those things. It's like, it's like in my throat and I snore really bad at night. So I'm sure that doesn't help. Probably not, um, so I'm just trying to drink a lot of water and um, keep it keep it from drying out because God knows that keeps happening at night. yeah, you got a little bit of the Chris Collinsworth to your voice today as you reach for the' Here's water a guy <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> slam some water right now everybody hydrate hydration break let's hydrate together Chris is drinking a a juice don't you were you were out and about with your dad today. Don't tell me that you stopped for lunch. And you got a juice. No, this, I, I got this oh, juice yesterday. I got a pressed
2: roots, three shout outs to them. Apple, lemon, ginger, and beet. It's a lovely hey, purple color. I, I feel healthier, pressed.
1: like by the sip. If anybody, if anybody has an a in it pressed and pressed wants us to talk nicely about their juices on this pod, let us know. I'm all about it. I'm all about the juice. I would have, I'd love, I, I did one of their cleanse things. uh us and Nick really Bosa. Good. You said what? Us and Nick Bosa, big juice guys. Yeah, totally. That's why we look like him. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, if the three of us for... walked into a room, they'd be like, "Whoa!" Right, right. Has anybody that seen Kyle cool. and Nick Bosa in the same
2: room <laughs> at the same time? I haven't. <laughs> I, I'm just, just saying. Um, well, should we start arguing about Trey Lance narratives, or should we? have like try to try to have like an intelligent conversation about this whole thing
1: it's so funny how predictable the discourse was right like the people who i don't want to say pro and anti Trey. that's not what i was what i want to say well but the people who are, are optimistic confirmed. right that's just yeah people who are optimistic about trey look through look at his first three quarters and they go yeah hey it's pretty good a lot there's a couple of really good throws in there uh the the monsoon and playing from behind late certainly didn't help is his overall numbers and then the the people who were less optimistic about him are like boy that was terrible the seahawks look great they're gonna go zero and two it's got to be jimmy it's been like if you could draw up the discourse before sunday's game you would have drawn it up exactly how it's gone
2: yeah it's it's like It's always, and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday's pod, but it's always analyzing the result more than the process. And, you know, like I went back and rewatched the game on Monday and I actually felt better about Trey Lance's performance than I thought I would before the rewatch. I thought I would rewatch and be like, oh man, he was, this was really bad. This was really rough. And it was like, no, it was actually better than I thought. And I thought he was really good on third down, just in general. Between the mm-hmm. scrambles that he got, he picked up four or five first downs, I believe, with his legs. Um, on third down, he had good third down throws to Juwan Jennings and Ross Dwelly. On um, the play to Brandon Ayuk, that was a that was an offensive pass interference. Was a good throw. Um, the Ray Ray McLeod throw was really good. The first uh, Brandon Ayuk throw on the first drive, right before Debo Samuel's fumble, was good. Like, the first three quarters of the game were good. The last quarter was bad, obviously. I think what people are going to do is look at his stat line and say, okay, he completed uh, 13 of 28, which is obviously bad. That's less than half of his throws. But in the fourth quarter, he was 5 of 14 when the monsoon began. Right? So, like, if we're just going to look at the stat...
1: And the Bears are pinning their ears back.
2: Right. If we're just going to look at the stat line and say oh that was bad well things got skewed dramatically in the fourth quarter when they were passing every play in the rain when that became a necessity so look it wasn't great but Trey Lance to me was very far from the main reason they lost could he have played better sure I think a lot of people could have played better Um, you know I, I think there were other things that the offense didn't do well that were independent of the quarterback right like there was a play or right before the field goal in the third quarter. It was second down. There was a run to Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, to the left side. It looked like it was going to be off-left tackle. And Juwan Jennings and Tyler Croft were responsible for blocking the safety. One of those two were. Croft crashes inside, and Juwan Jennings just, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or just a misblocking assignment or what, but the safety just nice through the hole right past Juwan Jennings, who looked like he was a guy responsible for making that block. And it ends up being a tackle for loss setting up a sack and then setting up um, you know that field goal if Jawan Jennings makes that block or that safety is blocked, then it's just Jeff Wilson in the hole with another defensive back and it's an easy touchdown right, right. so at that point it's 14 nothing and the way the game was going um, with the brown the, the browns the bears offense being completely useless like who knows what the game looks like if they get a touchdown there instead of um, in, in, instead of the field goal, and then obviously, sure. I mean, to me, you know, the defense allowing two tu- two straight touchdowns with the penalties, obviously, the biggest issue of the game. Like, I don't even think yep. it's particularly close. It was just the the penalties, the not being disciplined. um Were there some ticky tack calls? Sure, but you know, you got penalized twelve times, right? Mm-hmm. So there was right. it, it was just a lot of stuff outside of Trey Lance, and because Trey Lance is the quarterback. He's the one everybody's talking about, and a lot of people want bench. But it's like, all right, if we're going to bench Trey, Trey Lance, like, are we benching Dre Greenlaw for you know sure. his few penalties? Are we benching who else screwed up? Hey, Sean are, Gibson dropped an interception. Yeah, t- yeah, Gibson dropped an interception. Are we going to bench him? You know, mm-hmm. like I understand Jimmy Garoppolo's there, but good teams don't bench their quarterbacks on whims, cool. right? It's not like Here's- that, that's not a a quality process.
1: When you when it comes to trying to build a winning football team. They knew that Trey Lance was probably going to look about like he looked on Sunday. If they were going to bench him after that performance, they would not have made him the starter at all. Because right. they knew that what we saw on Sunday, now ideally, and this is what I think is getting lost in the in the what's the in the in the online arguments or discourse or whatever you want to say. Or on the radio, D- dude. Sports talk radio in San Francisco is peaking. Um, trade for Matt Breida came up on the radio the other day, and wow. Anyways, so shout out to Matt Breida, by the way. Played well for the for the Giants, but the Niners aren't going to win a Super Bowl if Trey Lance plays like he did in Week One all season, and if he looks like he did in Week One all season, and he just never gets better then yeah the Niners might make a quarterback change at some point but the goal is and the whole point of this is and the reason that it's not going to be hey if he doesn't play well in week two it's Jimmy week three is because they knew that this was probably going to be the starting point and there's going to be some ups and downs and they should have won on Sunday if they don't have those two third down penalties not even they didn't take away half the penalties take away the two third down penalties on on Dre Greenland, was it Al Was the other one? Oh, well, there was
2: the um, holding call on Treverius Ward,
1: which was kind of ticky tack. Also, was that on a third down, I think So it okay. So, whatever the third down penalties were, they gave him first downs. Like, if you take those away, the Niners win and Lance plays like he played, and it's just kind of like, okay, like good, good starting point, right? So, that's that's what the 49ers are looking at here with Lance and now it's, does he get a little bit better um, over the next two, three, four weeks? He's going to have a big challenge going into Denver. He's going to have a big challenge facing the Rams at home. Like he's, he's going to be tested, but the 49ers didn't make him the starter expecting him to look like Patrick Mahomes week one. That was just never going to be the case. And
2: of all weeks, Of the regular season, week one is always the most, the one that gets overreacted to the most,
1: bro. Hey, real quick, real quick, I'm going to Survivor Pool. There's 90 people in it, which means you can pick, you pick one game, and if that game ties, if your team ties or loses, you're out of the pool. And we have 90 people in this pool. 53 of them are out after week one. that's insane yeah. so much weird stuff happens in week one
2: yeah yeah i mean if we react to week one it's you know the niners are going 0-17 the packers are going 0-17 um what other good teams lost broncos 0-17 the colts
1: tied the texans
2: yeah so colts and texans are both going 0-0-17 on the year yeah
1: The <laughs> so, like, colts are going 0-16 in one
2: okay fair <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to react. And and I'm not saying Trey Lance played great or absolving him of, you know, overshooting Tyler Croft or, you know, what other the interception in the third quarter after the Bears took the lead. That was obviously bad. But, um, you know, it, I, I thought Trey Lance was very far from the 49ers top issue. And it's just it's it's a low hanging fruit conversation to have is like, oh, they lost Trey Lance completed 13 of 28. Like, let's, you know, let's revisit this. It's like, all right. I I feel like a lot of that discussion, like, either you're not good at watching football or you just didn't watch the game. If you watch the game and you're like, oh, yeah, we, I watched it and they got to replace Trey Lance because I've watched Jimmy Garoppolo play in the rain and it didn't look a lot better. And what you didn't have with Jimmy Garoppolo in those games is him converting any third downs with his legs. Sure. Right. Like the Niners were legitimately good on third down for most of the game. If you complete if you convert 50 around 50 percent of your third downs throughout the entire season, you're going to be the best third down team in the league. Um, And that's right where they were at. And yeah, it could have been better. But I think a lot of it speaks to the offensive line, maybe not functioning as well as you would like. Obviously, Mm -hmm. George Kittle is, you know, it's a big absence not having him. Elijah Mitchell going out, which we can talk about, it never felt like they had any con- sort of consistency with the running game outside of Debo Samuel and, and Trey Lance to a certain extent once Mitchell left. So, you know, if you want to overreact to week one and bench everybody, that's fine. But it's also like <laughs> the long-term health of the organization is at risk if you start yo-yoing Trey Lance in and out of the lineup based on one start, despite whatever Super Bowl aspirations you have, right? Right like you need to be able to tolerate some losses in the same way that you did with Jimmy Garoppolo last year.
1: Yeah, and this right? is this is week 1. This is this is like like okay, this is the bar now. Is he better or worse in week 2? And then in week 3, is he better or worse? Like that's that's they they knew going in that there were going to be ups and downs. And frankly, I thought he played until the fourth quarter. He played well enough to win. And the offense was good enough to win so they didn't stuff happens and like i said if the if that if that game sunday was such a disaster under center then the 49er standard for what's acceptable under center is way too high <laughs> i'm mean, uh... gonna bench him after that that would be nuts
2: yeah between the penalties and the turnovers that's basically i think i said this I said this either here on a different podcast, but like between the the penalties and the turnovers that's four possessions four scoring possessions that swing the game right so you know it's a nine point game like in a monsoon, you are limited in terms of how many scoring opportunities you're gonna have and the 49ers didn't maximize what they had um and that' certainly you know trey lance runs the offense, so that's partly on him but again like i'm definitely more in the camp of let's throw out the monsoon game because we did it for jimmy garoppolo in 2019 when he was bad in washington and the defense was actually good in that game and they pitched a shutout which is probably what they should have done in chicago yeah Um, but justin fields can also make plays because he's typically the best athlete on the field when he's out there yeah. Um, so again, like, yeah, you know, people, they're, they're going to be people who are like, you guys are making an excuse for the quarterback. It's like, I mean, here, okay, me, but if, if you want a first year to guy, that. if you want a first year guy to
1: play like Patrick Mahomes every game, it's just not going to happen for you. So first, first year starter. Right. Just, but let me, does Trey Lance have to play better? Yes. Like, yes. He can't be what he was on Sunday all year. Like, he absolutely has to get better, but that's why he's playing. Because the 49ers believe that by playing, he will get better. And that's, I mean, that's it. That's what this entire season is.
2: Yeah, there was, you know, Nick Wagner wrote about it. I wrote a similar thing over the summer and talking to Robert Griffin Third in Tahoe about like, you know, what's readiness, right? Like what's readiness for a quarterback? And what RG3 said is there's no such thing as a quarterback who hasn't played being ready. You only get ready by playing. And you can't punt on a quarterback when you're trying to get him ready. You know that like it's not like he's going to sit the bench for five weeks, come back in, and then all of a sudden, oh, now he's ready. Mm-hmm. He only gets ready in five weeks from now by playing over the next five games.
1: Right. If they if they bench him now and go, we'll try again in 2023. You're going to get week one that looks a lot like week one this year. Right. I They're going to stunt the process and continue kicking and- the can down the road. And again to make this maybe it never looks better. Like that's may sure. But the 49ers are going to let him play and find out. Yeah, let's let's switch to Elijah
2: Mitchell because I think this conversation is more pertinent for right now in terms of where the 49ers are at. Um Elijah Mitchell is going to be out for 2 months with the knee injury. Right. Um and I think it's a su- substantial story because now we're looking at another scenario where the 49ers lose their starting running back in week one, which is what they, which is what happened to them last year. It was obviously problematic for him last year because, you know, the running game had to look a lot different. And, you know, I asked Kyle Juszczyk about this yesterday on the conference call. Like, how much does the running game dynamic change when you don't have fast guys playing running back and he basically said well it doesn't change all that much which is fair and I understand why he would say that but I would also push back and like Raheem Mostert and Elijah Mitchell had game-changing speed that you had to count for right like you had to overreact right. to Raheem Mostert's speed because otherwise he would just run past you um, right. and that's why he had so many big plays uh, throughout his time with the 49ers is because often he was the fastest guy in the field and if Kyle Shanahan found a way to create angles and those runs were blocked well, he would just score. Um, they don't have that dynamic with any of their current running backs. And they probably didn't with Elijah Mitchell either, who's fast, but he's not Raheem Mostert fast. Um, not a lot of people are. So, what the 49ers are losing now in the running game with, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr., who's not a breakaway speed guy. Um, Ty Davis-Price, certainly a more between-the-tackles physical guy. Jordan Mason, um, I would say, is probably similar in that he's not a breakaway speed guy. So the, the level of difficulty in the, in the for the offense in terms of scoring is going to be a little bit higher now because you're not going to have those 70-yard runs or the threat of a 70-yard run or touchdown run from anywhere on the field that you had with Raheem Mostert and to a certain extent, Elijah Mitchell. Sure. Which means now Jeff Wilson, Jr., Ty Davis, Price, Jordan Mason, like you want to be in a a running team, but you just don't have that great of a running back group right now. And Mm -hmm. so based on how Sunday went, it feels like Debo Samuel is going to get a lot of carries like he did on Sunday and and the second half of last year, I don't think that's ideal. And I think it's even less ideal when you don't have George Kittle because one, your blocking is going to suffer. But two, when you're using Debo Samuel as a running back and putting him in jet sweep motions, even if you're not giving him the ball, is you're taking away the dynamic of having Debo Samuel as a downfield threat. Right. And you don't get George Kittle to be a downfield threat to sort of counteract that thought, right? So without George Kittle and Elijah Mitchell, it becomes a little bit more difficult for Kyle Shanahan to do what he wants schematically. And that to me is substantial because, you know, the the whole thing with Trey Lance is, you know, and this was the team's design, like we're going to have a running game and we're going to have a supporting cast that lifts up the quarterback it becomes a little bit harder now when the running game isn't what you expected it to look like. And obviously not having your all pro tight end is a substantial part of that. Mm -hmm. So you're putting more on Trey Lance's shoulders now, and you have to rightfully. So because Elijah Mitchell's hurt and ultimately it raises a level of difficulty for Trey Lance. Like it's not going to be everybody else play well. And we hope to maximize Trey Lance. It's like, all right, Trey Lance is going to carry even more of a burden now. And that's going to make it more difficult on the 49ers offense.
1: Is that not why they drafted a running back in the third round twice in two years? <laughs> it is like, but... like if you can't, if you can't find running backs that work, like that's what Kyle Shannon's supposed to be good at. So I don't have a lot of sympathy. Like, no, <laughs> oh, I'm not saying <laughs> this is, this is I'm not saying we be should be bag. sympathetic.
2: I'm just saying like this is this is more this, this is more of a real problem than
1: like how Trey Lance played on Sunday. Sure. Yes. It definitely is. Um, Running back depth is not like it's fine, but it's not explosive.
2: Yeah. And Debo Samuel can can make plays in the running game. But at some point, it feels like that novelty is going to wear off because you're losing. You're losing an aspect of the offense you need to have, which is Debo Samuel being a downfield guy. And he didn't have any downfield targets like he had one that he dropped over the middle which was also looked like a good throw from Trey Lance, but like all of his other targets were bubble screens and jet sweep runs, which are, you know, passes for reasons that we've discussed previously.
0: (laughs) um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
2: Yeah, I just think until like you feel a lot better about it when George Kittle's back because at least like, all right, if Debo Samuel is going to be in the running game, at least they have a tight end capable of having a thousand yard season running routes and and being out there and also blocking. But when you don't have that and it's Tyler Croft and for whatever reason, you're calling screens and Tyler (laughs) Croft and, and wheel routes for Tyler Croft. Like I find that problematic in of itself, but like
1: it's, ju- it's just it's just going to be more difficult for the 49ers and hey breaking news from Adam Schefter, Marlon Mack, the 49ers are signing Your Oh, thoughts. interesting. My you thoughts a good preseason are for the Texans.
2: My thoughts are that they don't feel like Ty Davis price is ready to be up on game day. Which is bad. <laughs> well, so that Shanahan price, couched... No Shanahan couched it that Jordan Mason was active on game day for special teams and Ty Davis price wasn't without really telling us how he feels about either of them in relation to one another as running backs. But it's not like, I don't know, man, how important
1: is the up back position on kickoff returns? I have (laughs) no, I genuinely, I genuinely like the fact that, in his conference call on Monday wasn't like, well, Ty Davis price is going to be the, the RB too. And he just put a blanket over him and Jordan Mason saying, yeah, they're going to have to grow up. And um, what are they, they're going to have to grow up quick as they, as they run here. And I'm sure there's stuff with pass pro and knowing the offense that that'll come into play, but I don't want to get into a whole thing, but it's like, if your third round pick is battling with a UDFA, like maybe you shouldn't be using your third round picks on that position. That's all.
2: yeah. And one thing that one thing that Kyle Shanahan indicated was like they both Jordan Mason and Ty Davis price have a lot of work to do in terms of playing without the ball in their hands. So it means like Kyle Shanahan essentially is hinting at that. He doesn't trust them in pass protection and all of that other stuff. And some of that stuff does matter because like, there were even plays, there were there is one jet sweep I can think of after rewatching the game where it went to Debo Samuel running left, and Elijah Mitchell was clearly responsible to throw a lead block and just didn't. And it was one of those that went for a loss. Like, so that that's an example, even Elijah Mitchell like isn't perfect in that area. Sure. So I do think that stuff matters for sure. Cause obviously like if you have Ty Davis price in and they blitz and he doesn't pick it up and Trey Lance fumbles, then we're benching Trey Lance again next week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the running back situation is problematic. We looked at it going into the season as like, well, they, they do have a lot of depth, but now it's like, well, they really don't have a whole lot of faith in the guy they just drafted in the third round. And they just, you know, a couple weeks ago released their previous third round pick. So, like, Kyle Shanahan has deserved a lot of credit for finding gems that were late-round picks or undrafted guys, uh-huh. but it's fair to say that they've struggled to find contributors at running back early in the draft. It's three now. It's Joe Williams, it's Trey Sermon, and and to this point, until Di- Ty Davis-Price is contributing, it's fair to say, like, this is problematic where the 49ers are in this regard.
1: yeah. I I totally agree. If he is either not up on Sunday or not contributing on Sunday, that's 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 bad. That's yeah. That's if you're if you it sign, also
2: if you sign Marlon Mack and he's up on Sunday and Ty Davis Price is not up, that is problematic. Full stop. Like there's yeah. a guy you just signed off the street. Even even though I know he is an NFL veteran, whatever. If that guy is more ready to contribute to your team than a guy who's been with you since the draft and throughout the entire Mm -hmm. offseason program that's problematic
1: yeah i'm i'm right there with you um i guess their their run game just gonna have to look a little bit different like those explosive plays that they were getting in the run game are not gonna have to come from lance in the passing game i think like it was that was one of the things that was noticeably different to me on on sunday was like there were just more downfield shots i don't know whether those were drawn up or if lance just is willing to make those throws like that throw to Ray Ray McLeod was sick and yeah. that's just not one Jimmy Garoppolo was going to make from the far hash to the far sideline and he or was hitting the, guys in stride, yeah
2: like McLeod was hit in stride Ayuk was hit in stride on that first one on the first series the other thing that I think was noticeable in the second half after Mitchell went out was that play action was a lot less effective cuz like we talk about flow, right? The the play where you'd fake an outside zone run one way mm-hmm. and then the quarterback boots another and it felt like for the first couple of years, first 3 years I guess of Kyle Shanahan's tenure that that play worked like every time. Yeah, With, it worked without against a,
1: Sunday he missed the throw.
2: Yeah, without a good running game though, you start to see those linebackers and defensive ends on the on the fake side just run right at trey lance and then it's like okay flow isn't working like it used to because now trey lance is feeling a lot of pressure because those guys are less worried about the running game and maybe that was something schematic that matt eberflus was was doing deliberately but not being able to run the ball impacts play action and the 49ers are one of the most play action heavy teams in the league and i think in an ideal world kyle shanahan's dialing up like a third of his pass plays using play action and a lot Mm -hmm. of their long throws come off play action like you're starting to hurt your offense in more ways than
1: one if you can't run the ball. Yeah, yeah. They they are a run first team, and if they're not able to run it, they're going to be in trouble. Whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, or Jesus at quarterback, you got to be able to run it a little bit. Have you ever seen G- Jesus Huck the pill around? I've not. I haven't I'm either. Cra- I'm not saying I'm he can't. that that all twenty two. <laughs>
2: Maybe there's a book about it somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I just that to it's me is more cuts. problematic. It's like, can the offensive line control the line of scrimmage? Can they run the ball? Because that has always been known that that's like how you need to optimize Trey Lance is having the supporting cast around him, and you can only expect so much of him. And that's just the bed the 49ers made that they're willing to deal with because that's what happens when you have a first time starting quarterback. Um, but that's I mean, that's gonna be something because if if anybody knows how to defend a Kyle Shanahan offense, it's Pete Carroll. Sure. And the Seahawks defense looked pretty good on Sunday. It
1: did it was very good. I'm interested to see what they look like. And we'll talk about this more later in the week, but I'm interested to see what they look like when they're not at home facing Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there was a
1: lot of energy and emotion they expended in that game. The fact the Niners are still 10-point favorites is fascinating.
2: 10-point favorites?
1: Yeah. Ooh. Eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, 10. I've seen the gamut. I, I like the 49ers to win, it's but that is biggest. a lot of points. Dude. Mark Willard on Willard and Dibs on 95.7 today was talking about it, but that, dude, Vegas wants you to hammer the Seahawks. I guess. I guess. <laughs> That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points for a division game. It's a lot of points. I just, yeah,
2: I feel good about it from the 49ers perspective because they're just a vastly superior team, but they are in a bit of a tough spot right now.
1: Totally. Especially yeah. if
2: George Kittle can't play.
1: Yeah that's that's going to be interesting to see on uh, on Wednesday. You're probably listening to this Wednesday. Um the Niners will have their first injury report. I'm expecting Kittle to be out there. I'm guessing the doctors told the Niners coaching staff relatively early in the weekend like he'll probably be good for next week. But if he plays this week he could risk long-term damage. And the Niners just like the fact like he traveled and he was still questionable. I, he's, I think he's playing.
2: I have no idea we'll to be honest. <laughs> I I have no idea. These things are always it's very difficult to glean any information from like what people say like in press conferences about injuries. Um and even like I mean I've been burned so many times by like talking to players about their injuries and be like oh yeah I'll be good to go Sunday and then I report that and then they don't they don't play Sunday so it's like all right. One
1: time see. in college Sac State had this receiver named Brandon Reed who's really really good. And he was dealing with a uh I forget what his injury was, but he was wearing a non contact jersey in practice all week. And so they're getting ready to go. And I I grabbed the coach, a guy named Marshall Spurbeck, and I, I grabbed him and I was like, Hey, uh, saw Brandon Reed in the non contact all week. Is he gonna is he gonna play? I think it was Northern Colorado. I was like, Is he gonna play? And he goes, Oh yeah, yeah, he's playing. It's like sweet. So I put a put a story up, like Brandon Reeds in, like da da da. Didn't even make the trip. Didn't even fly with the team. Yeah. Brutal.
2: Stinger, his stinger was down. Dude, Coach, Coach Spurbeck's
1: stinger stayed down. <laughs> the stinger's for up sure. thing is just
2: perpetually funny to me. Hey,
1: Speaking of, DeAndre Carter just tearing it up for the bolts after Keenan Allen went down. Sac State legend, DeAndre Carter carving out an NFL career. Former 49ers legend. Yeah, and Andre I was in camp practice squad.
2: No, I think he was on the team in 2017. I think he was on the was team in the regular league? season. He was a return guy,
1: I believe. 2017, so... I, I basically blacked out. I was covering the <laughs> Titans that year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I,
1: um, DeAndre Carter was not in the league in 2017. It's
2: 2018, then.
1: 2018 uh, Houston and Philly 2019 he's with Houston spent some time with the Bears and the Texans in 2020 Washington last year Chargers this year.
2: well I'm positive he was with the 49ers in training camp but that's that's either like. 2017 or 2018 let's see there was a point where it was like DeAndre Carter DeAndre White
1: oh yeah DeAndre yeah Smelter. 2017, 2017 DeAndre Carter signed in February he was waived at final cuts, re-signed to the practice squad, yeah. and then released the same day.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm up on my on my DeAndre Carter. Dude, you here.
1: you uh, you at this you guys at Sacramento Bee are dialed into the former Hornets. Um Yeah. I don't have anything else to say until later in the week. Yeah, we're gonna I've gotta watch I've gotta watch that game closer from last night. The Seahawks it, game? It, it, box score is very similar to like the Niners Bears box score where it's like, how in the world? I guess they fumbled twice on the one. Oh yeah. And, they went they had then, three trips and then to Nathaniel the red zone. Daniel Hackett's vomit job there at the end. They had
2: three trips to the red zone and came away with three points. And they, for whatever reason, that's not going to do it. I don't know what it is with NFL coaches and why they're so insistent on dialing up runs out of shotgun in short yardage situations, but it drives me insane. And like Kyle it's Shanahan's short, um, done it. Russell Wilson. I, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a Russell Wilson center. It was a, it's definitely a game that you should
1: go back and watch because it's the Niners next to opponents. So you know, just yeah. like a little scouting on your part. Probably one. I'm happen. not gonna. T- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna draw too many conclusions for week one, but <laughs> <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, grind the um, L22. Yeah.
2: Um. All right. Well, we will be back later in the week with more of a breakdown of the Niners Seahawks to, game. You want
1: to get it, dude? Let's get
2: Joe Fan in here.
1: You just United want to like Seahawks.
2: throw out guest ideas on the pod without having any idea about their availability. We can do that. Yeah. I just hope the listeners aren't upset if Joe fan is not on the pod. Cause he's like, Hey, going to go shoot a 69 at, nice. at
1: his TPC membership only course. Listener, listener dear listener, <laughs> Joe fan may not be on the pod. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up.
2: We would like to get Joe fan on the pod.
1: We're going to hit Joe fan see what he's doing. He might not come on. Okay. All right. Subscribe rate review everybody. Uh Cooperidge,
2: Friday. Oh yeah. Shoot. Friday. Um Cooperage. the Redwood Empire yeah, Food that? Bank is in officially.
1: Excellent. We have finalized
2: oh, yeah. the the logistics behind the Redwood Empire Food Bank being the primary, or I guess, yeah, the primary um charitable entity that we're going to raise money for. So I'm going to shoot right. out probably today or tomorrow a fundraiser on Instagram to raise money for them. Um, they will have a booth at the Cooperage event. They will be having free swag. They're going to be raffle items. There's going to be a raffle after the live panel. Um, the story here is, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but the reason why, and we, we worked with the Redwood Empire Food Bank last year, but the reason why that I choose them, I'm from Santa Rosa, Um, The house that I grew up in and the neighborhood I grew up in went in the 2017 fire, uh, the Tubbs fire. And so while that was happening in October of that year, um, my friends and I from Santa Rosa all went up and raised a bunch of money on GoFundMe and distributed it to various organizations and people in need throughout Sonoma County. Um, And one of those that we worked most closely with was the Redwood Empire Food Bank. Um, in large part because we knew people there, but they were also, you know, the primary resource for a lot of displaced families um who obviously needed food um in, in the emergency. So we've worked with them. I've I've maintained somewhat of a relationship with them. And I know someone who works there since high school, a good friend of mine, Erica Ramsey, or Erica Carsonson now. Um, so shout out to her. I don't know if she listens, but Uh, Redwood Empire Food Bank is going to be at the Cooperage event. I believe the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA is dropping this week. So keep an eye out for that and come hang out. Um, Matt Mayoka will be there. Our good friend Cam Inman will be there. Tracy Sandler will be there. Damian Barling of ESPN Radio 1320 in Sacramento will be there, which is awesome. And uh, we're hoping to get some last minute stragglers on the guest list as well. And uh, we hope to see everybody there. Last year was a ton of fun. We're expecting it to be a lot of fun this year. So come hang out. um, Bring a little money to donate to the food bank if you'd like. Um, The 49ers, hopefully, I think we're going to have some. We had a Nick Bosa signed helmet last year for the raffle donated by the 49ers. We're hoping for something similar this year. Um, So hopefully that happens and we'll have other. Other things as well. All these things are getting finalized as we speak. Um, but yeah, come hang out
1: Friday. If you September when, 16th, when, you're there, Cooperage, Santa Rosa. when you're there and you see us come say hi. Yeah, I and multiple people tweet me like "Saw you There didn't say hi. Like what? you <laughs> can true? say hi to me for sure. I just
2: want to let everybody know I'm extremely mm. awkward in person.
1: I'm not. I'm a delight
2: i mean just i try no i'm gonna i'm gonna have a few in yeah. me like i'm gonna be you know a little bit looser than i normally would be but like i've got an approach in public and i want to apologize for everybody that's approached me and i haven't been like super awesome i'm just kind of a socially awkward human sure with strangers you know so that's my thing but we're gonna You're battle really selling, we're gonna have a uh, good time the
1: thing here nice job <laughs> No, I mean don't talk to me.
2: No, no, no. I'm not saying don't talk to me. I'm just saying come talk to me. But just understand that I'm a socially awkward individual, and if there's social awkwardness that ensues, you should not be surprised.
1: Should treat you like a baby dove.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Come in, come, come have a beer with me. I'll, I'll be a lot looser with, uh, with a couple of Candlestick Chronicle hazies from Cooper's. Can't wait. It'll be a good time. So come hang out. We hope to see everybody there. Subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you guys later in the week